This is Make Yourself at Home, a podcast from BizNow where we hear from real estate players about the impact of the pandemic on their business and their strategies. I'm Miriam Hall, BizNow's New York reporter. On this episode, we're hearing from Sonny Kalsi, the CEO of Bentol Greenoak, a real estate investor with more than $50 billion worth of assets under management. The firm, which is the investment unit of Canadian insurance giant Sun Life Financial, is investing billions in the Japanese real estate market and recently spent nearly $700 million on an office building in Tokyo. Sonny's speaking in a moment about why the investment focus is Asia, not the US. But first, I asked him whether he's getting 2008 vibes in the market right now. Yeah, in some ways, yes. In some ways, no, right? I mean, I think... Um for sure from the standpoint of, you know, dislocation and, you know, and I would argue from a financial perspective, that was worse, right? As a, because it, it happened probably a little less quickly, but much more severely. And I think one big difference is that there's been much more fiscal stimulus, et cetera, that's coming to the market this time, right? Than, than happened even then, a lot more, which, might create an issue in the future, but at least for now has provided a degree of stability. And I think the other thing is that um, I think a lot of people, lenders, et cetera, are still trying to assess what they're going to do on the back end of this thing, right? Because like this was definitely not anyone's fault, right? Um, and so how that all goes, I think time's going to tell. So I think that what the difference is, for sure there's some similarities, but actually the more we get into it, the more different it is than similar. I think maybe the, the 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 similarities that people are kind of drawing on is that sense of just gloom, right? Like the world's coming apart. Yeah, and look, I think uh, I think the good news is we see light on the horizon with the pandemic itself, right? I think we will be in a better place by the summer, for sure by the fall, but then we're going to have to deal with the economic part of this, right? And I think what you know, COVID has been the great accelerator in so many ways. But, uh, but including from an from a economic perspective, an in, a financial, from an income disparity perspective, right, it's clearly much more significantly impacted um, certain communities from, you know, from a health perspective and a financial perspective. And I think we got it, we're going to have to deal with all of that on the back end. Walk me back through, you, you set up Green Oak in 2010. So that was very much quite soon after the crash. What was that like? There must have been a lot of people who were pretty wary of bankers such as yourself. Yeah, look, I think, you know, and some we had um, a lot of things going for us and obviously some things against us, right? We for sure we had a ton of experience, um, you know, almost 20 years of experience at the time. Um, so a lot of relationships with investors, with counterparties, etc. Market was, everyone knew it was in the toilet, so it was going to be a good vintage to be investing. But then obviously the flip side is, you know, the immediately prior vintages at Morgan Stanley had not done well. Um, and it was just a hard time to start something new, right? Because everyone was very cautious. So even though they saw the opportunity set, people were really cautious. Are you seeing much of that um, caution today? I, again, like I said before, it's different. It's different right now. I think it's not as, um, it's... I think people are still trying to assess where they are. Look, one big difference is there's a lot more money in the system today than there was in 08, 09. A lot more, right? And if you think about it, that was a financial market meltdown and therefore a lot of the capital disappeared. This time, the capital hasn't disappeared. There's a lot of equity capital, record levels, a lot of debt capital uh, that's out there. 
And so the bigger issue this time is going to be is how are people dealing with their impairment issues as opposed to the financial system melted down, right? Um, so I don't think we'll see as deep a... Um, I don't think... I think look, people are cautious. People are taking their time. But clearly, certain asset classes are on fire, right? Industrial and data centers, et cetera, et cetera. And there's plenty of money for that, right? Office buildings in New York City... Uh, hotels, retail, that's going to take more time. You had a really active year last year, as, as far as I understand, but not, not in New York, in Asia. I know you made a big investment in the Tokyo office market. Can you walk me through the calculus? Yeah, look, we were pretty active in Europe and Asia, actually, um, and other parts of the U.S. Look, honestly, I would have liked to have been more active in New York. There wasn't so much to do. Um, but yeah, look, I did the view in Asia broadly and Japan specifically is that um, we think the culture of working in office um, is pr it's pretty deep. It's pretty deep from a cultural perspective, a market practice perspective, et cetera. So it's probably of the major cities in the world, the one where we have the most conviction that things will return to normal as it relates to office tenancy. Um, and so that's, you know, that's really it. So we've been, you know, there's some press around something we did recently. We've actually doing two other investments that are even bigger right now. They just haven't made it to the press yet. So we're, we're making a big bet on Japan, on Tokyo office specifically. Walk me through the cultural differences in terms of the workplace between here in the US and Japan and what that means for you as a real estate investor. So a couple of things. One is, um, I'd say from the employer perspective, you know, they're very, especially with the more traditional Japanese companies, things are very command and control oriented, hierarchical structures, um, you know, the companies are, they, they want people around, they want them around, you know, it's a very in-person for people that are in the customer business. It's very much driven by in-person customer interaction. Um, and then also the companies aren't that set up yet. You know, Japan's a very technologically advanced place, but the companies aren't set up that well for technology use, not as well as they are in the U.S. Uh, using that example. And then from an employee or employee perspective, um, what we have found, I mean, we've seen it with our own workforce, people want to be in the office. They want to be back there, right? A lot of Japanese live in very small homes, right? So they're very small, especially if they have a family, it's really hard to get away and get any privacy. Uh, we would be doing Zoom calls with our senior guys in Tokyo, and they'd be sitting in their closet at night, right, trying to get some quiet place to do a Zoom call. So, you know, you have some of those issues as well, you know, which just you have to contend with. And then also from a home standpoint, home technology is not as good either. Broadband and stuff like that in Japan is just not as, it's just not as prevalent. So, I, look, you know, it's obviously there's no guarantee. I mean, look, the Japanese tech companies will be able to give their employees more flexibility. But, you know, this is more bad on the financial services and on the more traditional Japanese companies. So that's where you decided to do, to, to bank on in the office. And you said there's big deals coming up. Is that right? There's some more coming up, yeah. They're already in process, they just haven't been announced. Can you give me any details on, on what's happening there? Not yet, not yet. Not quite, okay. But they are, they're in Asia and they're office space. Yeah, no, it's office in Tokyo, it's office in Japan. So it's just other big investments, right? I'm just saying that the one made the press because the seller is a publicly traded company and they needed, they're in trouble. So they needed to get press out there about the deal, so. Where else are you investing right now? So I mentioned we're very active in Europe. So we're super active actually across Europe, including, you know, more of the continent than the UK, but across the region, uh, uh, 80 or 90, 80% plus is logistics. Um, so we're a pretty big logistics player in Europe. 
um, and have, have been for a while. And so, you know, the good news is we're, um, we're in pretty good position right now to kind of capitalize on that. And what about in the U.S.? So the U.S. has been tougher, right? So uh, I would say the U.S. has probably been the market that's been hit hardest by the pandemic, number one, from a health perspective. Uh, I would also argue from an economic perspective. So the U.S. has been tougher. You know, look, we have a pretty big platform in the U.S., so we've, um, you know, continue to do logistics. We've made a huge investment in cold storage over the past year uh, and continue to do more in cold storage. We uh, continue to do a decent amount of multifamily. Um, you know, office is harder right now, so we have not done much office in the last year in the U.S. I think the U.S. I think the U.S. is going to be the market the most impacted by you know some more degree of permanent work from home over time, uh, more structural flexibility, whatever it is. You know, I'd like to buy more hotels. They haven't sold yet, or they're not selling at the price I would be willing to buy them for. And then retail's dead, right? And I think it's really hard to underwrite retail right now. You know, really hard. Have you got to go to any of these other countries? Have you left the U.S. in the past ten months? Nope, nope. I was in Spain until March ninth or tenth, and got back just in time. So you mentioned that the U.S. is going to be the most affected by this work from home, which is very much uh, not in keeping with a lot of what office landlords say. They say. <laughs> We want to get back collaborating. We're coming yeah. back. I just don't know. I don't know what the answer is going to be yet. I think it's hard to know uh, yet. Um, I think for sure there's some wishful thinking in all of that, right? By the way, we're a big office landlord too. And I think, look, I just don't think you can paint it all with one brush. What I do think is it's going to take several years to figure out. Like it's not going to happen. Like we're not going to know in the fall what's happening good, bad, or ugly, right? I think it's going to take several years to figure out. And look, one of the benefits I always say to people um, if you've got a good credit tenant on a lease with duration, at least for the next few years, what's going to happen from a work from home perspective is more their problem than your problem as a landlord, right? But ultimately, it becomes your problem as that lease rolls over or as you're trying to lease other vacancy, etc. And I just look, I think that companies are going to be smart about this. I think they're going to fi figure out like, I think less of a risk. People talk about, geez, everyone going to move to the suburbs and have suburban offices. No one wants to work in a suburban office ever, right? I think if you have a choice of working in a suburban office or whatever, you'll work at home, right? So I think the question, I, I think that people's, you know, can, will somewhat pick up and leave New York and move to Austin, Texas? Maybe. I could see some companies doing that. But I think a lot of it is just going to be, um, you know, people looking at their footprint and just saying, if I have 100 people, are they going to be in the office every day? And do I need 100 seats? For 100 people or do I need 70 seats for 100 people and go to some degree of hot desking and stuff all the stuff that seems a little bit weird and creepy right now while we're all germaphobes but I think that this will pass right and we'll get to another side and then all of a sudden I think companies are going to or they're going to say I have some middle and back office people and is it worthwhile to have them commuting an hour each way and coming into you know higher rent CBDs uh, or should I give them more flexibility right um so I look and I look the technology companies are in the best play, position on all of this, right? To offer the most flexibility, um, and but I look I just think that look the U.S. like I said before it's been hit the hardest by this, uh, economically and health wise. We're also the most technologically most advanced, and therefore there is a recipe in there which is probably not helpful for office landlords in the near term. <laughs> Yeah, I go back and forth because obviously I've I've been in New York this whole time and 
Everyone says, oh, New York's going to come back and it's going to be great and everyone's always going to want to work here. And there are a lot of things that I really don't miss about going to the office, like the commute, like getting on the subway. But at the same time, I, you know, I know there's still people, I was just talking to a friend in London who's like, I, I'm still keen on moving to New York. The big metropolitan areas, I moved to New York when I was 22 years old, right? I mean, and that's the only place I wanted to be at that time. You know, at 53, I, I'm okay being other places, right? So, uh, but there's always this young gen. I do believe that. I do believe there's a younger generation that want to come work in finance, right? If you want to come to New York City to work for Goldman Sachs or Morgan Stanley, if you want to work for Goldman Sachs or Morgan Stanley, and you're in the U.S., you're probably doing that in New York, right? If you want to come work, uh, you know, for some of the big consulting firms, et cetera, that are based in New York, or increasingly, you know, the technology firms, which are taking a lot of space in New York City, right? I think it's truly become the second hub after the Bay Area. Um, and so I think that, you know, look, and you're going to look, it's not just the coronavirus and all that. It's this, what's happened from a tax policy perspective, what's, you know, and then also the headwinds these cities are going to have in the next few years from a, um, you know, from a budgetary perspective on what that's probably going to do you know, in the near term, the taxes and or lack of services. And, you know, Miriam, you see it, I'm sure, and the streets are dirtier and all that. But I really believe these cities just, they, they will figure it out. They're just such, they, they're just such a high concentration of highly talented, highly motivated people. A lot of people with a vested, in, bunch of vested interests to figure it out. So I think it'll get figured out. It's going to take three to five years, in my view, for that to get sorted. Three to five years, you think? Yeah. That's a long time. That is not a timeline that people are going to like to hear. People want to hear about how things are going to start returning in the spring. They might start returning. No, no, I think they're going to, they might, well, I don't think they'll start returning this spring, but I, you know, I think I've, I've been saying by this fall, I think we're going to start feeling a lot more normal, but I, the, I'm just saying that the whole process, like if you want to like, you know, everyone says, where are we going to get, when are we going to get back to where we were at the end of 2019, right? And, and the, 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 everything what it feels like, what people are doing, um, office tenancy, office rent, all that. I think that's three to five years. I talk a lot to investment sales brokers and they have been talking a lot about the flow of capital, like what you were describing, investing in other parts of the United States, Europe and Asia, not so much in the Northeast. And they talk a lot about the flow of capital, but they say it's not so much to worry about, it's gonna swing back. Do you think that that's a little bit burying their heads in the sand? First of all, it's their business. So I think it's less than, probably less bearing head in the sand, probably more wishful thinking. And I think there's a scenario where it happens, right? I don't think it's completely implausible. Um, but as I said before, my three to five year comment, I think it'll happen, but it's gonna take three to five years to get there, right? Right Now that doesn't mean it, it's nothing and then it flips overnight and we're there. It's gonna be gradual increase. But I, I think, uh, you just got to be realistic. Look, it's the old adage of, you know, hope for the best, but prepare for the worst. I think that's just where we are right now. As an owner of real estate, as someone thinking about buying new real estate, as we have 24 offices around the world, so we occupy real estate, some of which we own, a lot of what we don't own. Um, I think, you know, we as a company have to make a lot of those same decisions too. And, you know, because there's a cycle, there's a health overlay to this and a psychological overlay to this, it's not as straightforward uh, to figure out as it would be if it was just a purely financial issue. You're in Miami yourself, right? So you obviously there for the winter and there's a lot, you're not the only one. 
people say, oh, that's just a narrative that the people are fleeing the city. But then when you look at the numbers, there is a lot of evidence to suggest that people are leaving. And there were people were already leaving. I mean, the, the census numbers speak for themselves. People, the, the state and the city lost residents before coronavirus, and it's since lost more residents. And the residents that are moving in are of a different socioeconomic base. The, the demographics are changing. It might be changing from a socioeconomic perspective, but it's not like... Um... It's still attracting smart, intelligent people who want to work for Google and Goldman Sachs, right? And so they might be younger and they might be earlier in their careers, but that also means that they might be around for a while, right? And I think for a lot of us that are hiding out away from the cold weather and the lack of uh, indoor dining and all that, we're coming back too, right? So I think a lot of us who have the flexibility are taking advantage of that flexibility. But, you know, look, I would love nothing more than to be able to be back in New York and have it be normal again. Sunny, thank you so much for doing this. Really appreciate it. No problem, Miriam. Thanks so much for having me and good luck uh, in the cold weather and bundle up when you go out for your outdoor dining.